on the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry. I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Irokti, a yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, on Kestian Echo. Vientolum againom Griv, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. This is an Irish independent podcast. And we've all been talking about the glory of Munster hurling. Well, Mr. Cody had four weeks to get the cats ready for Clare and he he brought them to an absolutely perfect pitch. You have to take your hat off to him. It, it is amazing. Cody going for twelfth All Ireland. Uh, TJ Reid, possibly one of the greatest players of all time. He's going to go all out in this final to get his brother up the steps. Let's not forget that Richie Reid is, is the captain. Just when you say it there, John, imagine the redemption for Richie Hogan. You know, if he were the one to come on and tip the scales, like he was. Yeah, just it's there's so many, uh, there's so many different stories uh, ready to play out. It's gonna be fascinating. Well, the All Ireland hurling final matchup has been set. Limerick will go for three in a row against Brian Cody's Kilkenny in a rematch of the famous 2019 semi final. And the Cats upset the treaty after a very intriguing semi final weekend. Limerick edged Galway just about yesterday. Henry Shefflin's men gave Limerick all they could handle. While on Saturday evening. Brian Cody's Kilkenny were far too strong for Claire. Welcome to the Throne Podcast. Will Slattery here with you as always. In just a couple of minutes, we'll be joined by Vincent Hogan and John Milan to go over the two games over the weekend. But first, Michael Verney is here with me. And it was also a big day for the Miners yesterday, Michael. Unfortunately for your county, awfully a devastating defeat to Tipperary in Nolan Park. The last puck of the ball almost after a game awfully had led throughout. Saw Tipperary get over the line. What's the mood in the county like today? As an absolute heartbreaker, Will, there's no point in saying any different. Um, we're just so close and we're just, you know, ready to explode at the end. And then uh, Paddy McCormick comes up with an unbelievable goal after after Paddy feeling dropping in a free. I don't even, he was about 30 yards out and he managed to drop it in perfectly. I don't know how he did it. Um, it's just, you know, ecstasy to agony, the, op- the opposite way around, unfortunately. But we should have, we should have known that Tipperary were going to try and produce something like that. They were six points down against Waterford earlier on this year, came back, they forced penalties and forced extra time against Clare. They were down in injury time in the semi-final against Galway and they, they came good again. Um, yeah, it was just a heartbreaker. And there was a, listen, there were a couple of contentious decisions. There's no point in saying any different. Off, Niall Furlong had a storm all free about two seconds before the free was blown for Tipperary that led to the, to, to the goal. Uh, the red card incident where uh, where a hurl was thrown at, at Cottle Robinson that that denied a surefire penalty and in a funny kind of a way, Damien Corbett's dismissal ended up actually you know 
playing into Tipperary's hands. They played with 14 men, but denied a certain goal, kept them in the game, and uh, they just came a big charge at the end. They would score us 1-5 to a point in the last 10 minutes. Um, it's just heartbreaking stuff because the thirst for success in Offaly, Jesus, the, the, like we must have outnumbered Tip 3 or 4-1 to one yesterday. There was... Uh, there were traffic jams in Duro, Ballyragget, you name it, on the way down. There were traffic jams the whole way down. And everyone just wanted it so badly. And it's, you know, you saw the scenes after with you know, the likes of Dan Ravenhill, Adam Screedy, and these lads in bits after. Uh, the only thing I'd say is they've given, they've given hope to the whole county. And if they're nurtured and looked after over the next couple of years, brought through the 20s ranks, to, into the senior ranks, like there's no reason why seven or eight of these guys can't be playing senior hurling for Offaly and six to seven years time no reason whatsoever yeah and as you say the thirst for success there was a, as you say a huge Offaly turnout yesterday some big names from Offaly hurling there but I have it on good authority none was recognised more than Michael Verney in the press box everyone knew you everyone was shaking your hand you were very must be very well known around Offaly I suppose given your national profile oh Jesus I don't know about that um, a lot of people would think that uh, when Offaly were going badly they think why are you always writing bad about awfully hurling or whatever? But like, they don't realize that, you know, it's usually an edict handed down from above. And the last thing I want to do is write bad about awfully hurling. But um, yeah, just the, the, the whole of the county was there yesterday, really was. I think there was the guts of about 50 club buses sent down just with juveniles. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, it's just a pity. But hopefully, and I said it to, uh, I said it to Adam Screeny after just when I was chatting him briefly. I just said, like, it's a bump in the road, hopefully, for some of these guys. And they'll take that hurt and uh, use it to harness better results at, uh, at bigger grades uh, to come over the next couple of years. Yeah, and with the under-20 football success last year, at least it's, uh, you know, a good time for Offaly in both codes at underage level. But now we're going to look back on the Hurling semi-final weekend. We're delighted to have Vincent Hogan and John Milan here with us. I mean, so I might go to you first. We have a Limerick-Kilkenny final. Limerick beating Galway yesterday and Kilkenny very comprehensively beating Clare on Saturday night. For you, what's the big storyline coming out of the semi-final weekend? A very familiar storyline, well, Mr. Cody. Um, what that man has achieved. You know, we've, we've spoken so often about it here, but 24 seasons, 17 All-Ireland finals. And I was just thinking about this before we came on air, that you think... When he took that job in late 98, the world was enthralled to Monica Lewinsky and the impeachment of a U.S. president. And we had the, a few months earlier the signing of the Good Friday Agreement up, up in, in, in Stormont. And you just think that belongs to another world. So how can this man, after a quarter of a century, still be producing a team at the pitch that Kilkenny arrived at last Saturday? It's an astonishing achievement. And, you know, people can talk about the, the Mick O'Dwyers and the, the Kevin Heffernans, the great managers of football, the Sean Boylans. This guy takes it to another level. And, you know, I, I kind of watched them in the Leinster final. I thought they, they were average, but they beat a very, very average Galway that day. And we've all been talking about the glory of Munster hurling. Well, Mr. Cody had four weeks to get the cats ready for Clare and he he brought them to an absolutely perfect pitch. You have to take your hat off to him. It, it is amazing. And John, we were actually just talking off air. You have been one of the people saying that you've taught the last couple of years from Brian Cody is up there, even with the most successful periods that he's had, you know, two Leinsters in a row, three semi-final appearances in, in a row. I know they were staying in the barrel of, 
of a, a third defeat. So that's why it was such a big game for them at the weekend. You know, how impressed are you with what Kilkenny did at the weekend and just what Brian Cody's done with this young team? I was never so delighted for Brian Cody the weekend. And I've been consistent on two things. And I, I, I believe, number one, the last couple of years, as I said off air, have been Cody's best years. Number two, I think TJ Reid, for me, he's the greatest hurler I've ever, ever, ever seen. And for me, you know, touching on what Vincent said there, this finally puts to bed all the crap talk that's out there, that Brian Cody is holding back uh, Kilkenny Harlan. They're drawing up comparisons between Mickey Hard and Tyrone. You know, if, if you know, we've seen with Mickey Hard when he left, Tyrone pushed on and, and won in All-Ireland. I mean, look, look what Cody, look, look what Cody has done. I mean, it's remarkable. 17 All-Ireland finals out of, out of 24 years. He's building a new team again. You know, he's thrown in a little influx of, of players. Mikey Butler, he found a little gem in Mikey Butler. Uh, Keen Kenny, there's one of the papers in the aftermath of the game. And there's Keen Kenny and Mikey Butler looking up at Cody. And they're in, they're in absolute awe, awe. And yeah, look, Kil- Kilkenny, they're back in it. They're back in an All-Ireland final. And I did say the last day out that, you know, for, if Clare were to, were to beat Kilkenny, they were going to have to replicate uh, their Munster final performance. And that never came. And there's one sure thing about a Cody team, a Cody-Kilkenny team going into Crow Park. And I've been, I've been consistent on this as well. If you're going to be the Cody Kilkenny team in Crow Park, you're going to have to perform because there's one sure thing: Kilkenny will perform in Crow Park when they get to the semi-final, final stage. And you know what? You know what? Brian Cody is—he's 68 years of age. Uh, will not alone is he an inspiration to all of us within the GA. He's an inspiration to the older generation that are out there. The older generation are looking on, and you know you go into a doctor or whatever, and they tell you 70 is the new is the new 50. The older generation are looking on and seeing this man, 68 years of age. Like, you, you, take, you take it back two years ago, you know, the, the COVID semi-final, they lost the water. You know, he was high, high risk. You know, he's going in with his mask. You know, inspirational stuff back two years ago. Last year against Cork, you know, it took Cork all of extra time to, to, uh, to beat Kilkenny. And I remember that, that final last year, watching on Kilkenny and Cork. And I say to myself, you know, the amount of green grass that 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 Cork coughed up, and I'm saying, saying to my own mind that, you know, if Kilkenny were there, there's no way they'd cough up the, the, the green grass that, that Cork gave Limerick last year. And I believe, look, going back, it's three years now since, since Kilkenny beat Limerick. I think Kilkenny are, are are a better team than they were than they were three years ago. So yeah, we're in for we're in for one hell of a final. Uh, one hell of a final to really look forward to. But you know, I am so so happy for for uh, for Brian Cody. You know, I mean, he didn't he didn't deserve any of that that talk that was that was out there the last, the last couple of years. It's remarkable what he's done, and and you know, unfortunately for Brian Cody, you know, if Brian Cody was British or if he was American, I mean, international star to me, you'd be talking like like, like he's still in the he's in the mold of 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 Alex Ferguson, and you know what, will you wouldn't back against him in, in this final either. Just on that, Will, as well, everything, I totally echo everything that the boys have said. Um, but the, I think one of the most unique things about Cody is his ability to learn from defeats or learn from mistakes. Like I was sitting here about six weeks ago um, talking about the worst half of Hurling I had seen under Cody's reign. And that was the, 
the the first half against Wexford in that that round robin game that could have seen them exit the Leinster Championship, and you saw them on Saturday evening, and their use of the ball, their positioning, tactically how good they were. We know he's going to get the most out of them, and um, as in. They'll all, you know, John always says in his columns, you know what you're going to get out of a Cody team. They'll go to the bitter end and all this. But they've now tactically gone to another level. They're now playing, like they're, they're working the ball out from the fence. They're shooting from distance when the opportunity arises. They're putting ball in around the edge of the square when the opportunity arises. Uh, and they've a, a really nice settled team now. It actually, like Mikey Butler's come in, Keen Kenny has come in. Um, and now to have the likes of Wally coming in off the bench, potentially a Richie Hogan for the final. Yeah, they're in a really, really good spot. And like in a couple of weeks' time, we could be talking about Brian Cody's 24 seasons and him winning, you know, all Ireland's in half of those seasons, which is just incredible, really. Yeah, and I, I like the stat that you know the Vincent put out about Monica Lewinsky in the start of his reign. Another interesting one is that some of the key contributors, Mikey Butler and Cody, weren't even born when Brian Cody took on the job, which shows how long he's been there and, and what how much has happened in the meantime. Vincent, I suppose as good as Kilkenny were and as big a storyline as Cody's and another final is, you know, Claire were such a disappointment. You know, even in Saturday's Irish Independent, I know you had a big feature about Tony Kelly, his first game in Croke Park, or he's only played once in Croke Park since 2013, and it did seem to be building towards Clare's big day in Croke Park, and it was just the exact opposite. From that perspective, what disappointed you the most about how it unfolded for them? I think Clare just didn't turn up, Will, basically. Um, they looked like a team, and you know, I was on this podcast the day after the, that epic Munster final, and I did say I thought things were going to get tricky for Clare now, because they emptied themselves in that final. And looking at it now, had Rory O'Connor stayed on the field in the quarterfinal against Wexford and Turles, I actually wonder, would Clare have survived that? Um, the flatness we saw in them, that they eventually dug it out in the last 10 or 15 minutes. It was back on, on Saturday with spades. And, you know, I'm always intrigued when I watch a team that's really struggling defensively to get hold of the ball, to use the ball properly. And the first move they make is to take off a forward. I, I thought Ian Galvin, yes, he was struggling, but he was struggling as a small player getting rubbish balls sent into him, whether it was Tommy Walsh or Paddy Deegan was up his backside. And you take him off when the gamble they had taken with John Conlon missing of going with Paddy Fitzpatrick. It was a gamble that surprised nearly every Clare person I spoke to uh, because Paddy Fitzpatrick had zero game time in this championship very little game time generally. Uh, it was a huge chance to take putting him in there. He went in at left half back. Uh, Adrian Mullen went straight over on him and Adrian Mullen was electric from the, the, the throw in. And you, you're watching Fitzpatrick and it just wasn't going to work for him. He was really struggling to the point where you're thinking they're going to have to do something here. And I don't know if there's a pride and an obstinacy that kicks in with management that they've taken a gamble. Where we're going to stick with this and we take off a forward. The inevitable happened at half time. Fitzpatrick was taken off, and I think Kean Nolan came in. He played very well. And you're looking at Clare. They've had a they've had a really good year, and they've got great talent coming through. Going to see a lot more of Mark Rogers, I think. The Shane Meehan's, uh, Peter Duggan, I think, did remarkably well this year for a guy who was away in Australia for the last two years. So there's a huge amount to work on there, but they've got to learn from their mistakes on Saturday because they just played stupid hurling against 
the smartest team around. And, you know, even, even the last 15 minutes when they needed goals, taking pot shots from 100 yards, you're kind of thinking, what the hell are they thinking here? 24 wides, you're never going to win an All-Ireland semi-final with 24 wides. Mikey Butler did a great job on Tony Kelly. Um, again, Tony Kelly has been brilliant this year. He's been brilliant for three years, and we shouldn't forget that. But to me, there was a naivety on the line from Clare, and there was a naive, naivety on the pitch. And, you know, when you produce that against a Brian Cody team, pitched as they were on Saturday, you have no chance. Yeah, John, like, what's your perspective on it? Do you agree with the points Vincent raised there? Yeah, I thought I, I, I got at it. I thought the Fitzpatrick one was, was a strange one. You know, when you consider that, you know, he whipped off Rory Hayes, you know, after seven minutes and, and brought in brought in Keane Nolan. You know, I think the, the most natural thing to do would have been to start Keane Nolan, to push Rory Hayes out, out the wing back. And as it was in the second half, he pushed uh, Rory Hayes out on, on, on TJ Reid. Um, but look, from, from a clear point of view, John Conlon was, we, we, we can't underestimate how much of a loss John Conlon was, you know, such a leader for Clare this year. Um, he's been central to an awful lot of Clare have done this year. You know, you throw in then Tony Kelly, you know, he underperformed. You know, there's your, your two your two big leaders. You know, you're, you're, there's a big void there straight, straight away. But yeah, look, uh, when, when Clare reflects Brian Lone and the players, you know, when the dust settles, they look back in this year and say, you know what, we got to an all in semi-final. They're building you know, on, on the last the last two or three years. And I think, you know, in time, you know, if they stick with loan for the next next couple of years, uh us to say that they, they can't get back to an all in semi final and hopefully reach a, reach another all in final. Yeah, I suppose the bear pit in Munster means there's no guarantees that getting uh, you know to a final or a semi final one year will, will translate the following year. Michael, do you buy into anything around the fact that, you know, they emptied themselves in that Limerick Munster final, they were so close they came up just short. And then they struggled in their two championship games thereafter, whether by coincidence or not, that they are the facts. Like, do you think there was some sort of hangover or some sort of mental drain about falling just short in that Munster final? Yeah, no, I actually do buy into it because I kind of just look back to, I look back at a few other teams that have really laid, laid it down to Limerick in recent years. For example, Kilkenny in 2019 beat them in that semi-final, delivered a really flat performance in the All-Ireland final. Whether that's to do with the effort uh, it took to get over Limerick or the Richie Hogan sending off or whatever, they still delivered a flat performance thereafter. Clare delivered two flat performances after putting it up to Limerick. Tipperary uh, had Limerick under the cost in last year's Munster final. Um, they were obviously beaten by five in the wind-up, uh, produced nothing thereafter, were knocked out by Waterford in the next round. Uh, and even uh, last year, last year, wasn't there someone put up to them? Uh, sorry, Tipperary put up to, to, tip, to Limerick this year and then you know, produce nothing against Cork in the game after that. So I don't know if it's something to do with the, the mental effort, the physical effort that's needed to really throw it down to Limerick, but very few teams have been able to back it up uh, in recent years, and Clare definitely weren't, weren't able to back it up. I looked at the, the Clare-Wexford game initially as, oh, Clare have gotten the dirty petrol out of the tank. They've, any hype that's around them has been dampened a small bit here. And then I was kind of thinking... Okay, Rory O'Connor was off the field, Shane Reck was off the field, Damien Reck was off the field. Like they would have wanted been wanted to be winning the game the way they did at the end. And they just produced very, very little at the at the weekend. And I, I couldn't get over the as Vincent said earlier, I just couldn't get over launching high ball into 
you know, Dominion have enough corner forwards, five foot eight guys in launching ball down on top of them, and they were just going direct. And the clear running game that was so effective throughout Munster, all throughout Munster, and gave Limerick so much trouble was just just wasn't in, in evidence the other day. And just a real uh, dampener for Clare on what has been, you know, a really, really good year. Um, and it'll be, a, it'll be a sore one for them over the next while. They couldn't wait to get back to Crow Park. And then I'd say after, you know, half an hour the other day, they would have been happy to be swallowed up in Crow Park. That's the way it was. But shouldn't get away from the fact that they have plenty of potential going forward. Um, outside of maybe John Conlon, there's no one really over the 30 mark and uh, they have lots of potential but just a really really horrible way for their season to to kind of finish in that damn squib that it did yeah Vincent speaking of the effort required to beat Limerick you know Galway gave them everything they could handle and almost more yesterday level going into injury time almost similar to the semi-final two years ago you know how do you look at Limerick's kind of form line going into this final is it that they've you know, showed the heart of champions and dug out like five, six impressive victories now in this championship? Or is it that they're not really putting teams to the sword the way they maybe did last year and there's a bit of vulnerability there? It's a great question, Will, and we're only going to find out the answer on Sunday week. Uh, You're drawing the comparison between the semi-final of two years ago between Limerick and Galway. I don't think there is a comparison, even though the scoreline is almost identical. Um, I thought, you know, Galway tried to jabbed their way to victory against against Limerick two years ago and Limerick just kept them a distance and we had the four line cuts from Joe Canning which was an extraordinary stat in one game I never felt two years ago that Limerick were vulnerable yesterday they absolutely categorically well were and and, and that moment when Brian Concanon named, nailed that 37th minute goal in the canal and what a goal and you just thought it's going to take great champions to survive here because Galway Galway had survived a very ropey opening where they were conceding the puck outs to Nicky Quaid, which I think is a, a disastrous thing to do against this Limerick team because you give the ball to Sean Finn, you give the ball to, to Barry Nash, and they're going to hit a ball into a space where Flanagan and Galan are already running. And we saw that in the first eight minutes where Limerick, I think, scored six points and Galway had five wides at the other end. And you're thinking, this could get ugly, just like the first semi final, this could get ugly. I thought Galway just dug their way into the game. They were really outstanding. The likes of Dahi Burke, who had a ropey enough first 10, 15 minutes, came into it with such levels of leadership. The Mannions, Cahal Mannion as the, the seventh defender, if you like, and the, the floating role he had. The questions that were asked of Limerick yesterday and the questions that were asked of Limerick in the Munster final were just about as serious questions as you can ask of any champions. And they dug it out. But there is this sense that they are coming back to the pack, in my opinion. Now, one thing you'd have to say is they've got 18 minutes into Kean Lynch yesterday. Kean Lynch is a game breaker. Kean Lynch changes that team dramatically. I don't know if in the next two weeks they can get enough work into Kean Lynch to have him as a potential starter against Kilkenny. But the moment he went on yesterday, I think Porrick Mannion had to pick him up and suddenly space was opening up for Limerick. We saw that with David Reedy getting his three points. But the, the worry that Lynch puts into an opposition defence changes the puzzle for their opponents. Um, I think they're, they're certainly not putting teams away like they did uh, last year's All-Ireland final. I thought for 10 minutes yesterday they were going to do exactly that to Galway. That they didn't do it requires huge credit to Henry Shefflin and what he's done with that Galway team. But the very fact 
that they've been pinned to the ropes twice now in this championship and they've managed to come out of it. I think it tells you that this Limerick team, they're so highly motivated to win three in a row. Bear in mind, and I've said this on the podcast before, they're thinking we should be we should be chasing five in a row now. We should be chasing immortality now, but for being caught by this Kilkenny team in 2019. I think they'll be much happier. It's Kilkenny in the opposite corner in two weeks' time than Clare because they've they've scored to settle with Kilkenny in in their minds. So the big question is, can they get Lynch on the field? Because if he's on the field, I think they go up another notch. Imagine to say, Will, that. Darrow Donovan and Will O'Donoghue were as quiet as they were. Garod Hegarty was so quiet. Tom Morrissey was so quiet. And they were still able to find a way to be a top-class opposition. And it was a different way, you'll probably say, with David Reedy coming on and uh, a nip and three points. But it's, that's such a good sign for Limerick's health that different guys are popping up on different days. And I totally agree with Vinny. John Kiley will never say it publicly, no way. But they have a serious score to settle with Kilkenny, without a doubt. And uh, it's set, set up for a brilliant final. Because Kylie is, Kylie is mod, would, he mightn't say it either, but he probably models himself on Cody to some respect as well. And has a lot of the same values as Cody. So that's a fascinating final. Kylie's two seasons where they haven't won the Iron with Limerick, both have been ended by Brian Cody. So um, I think it's, it's absolutely set up brilliantly. But I, I, I'd flip that now. I, I think Brian Cody will be more... We'll, we'll be delighted as they're playing Limerick and, and not Galway. You know, you're going to have all the sideshow of, you know, handshake gaze, power three, and, you know, you're taking that into the final. And I think Kilkenny, you know, they're going to be underdogs. I mean, we're looking at the, the bookies' odds. They're, they're five to two outsiders for, the, for this final. That'll shoot Kilkenny down, down to the ground. And the big, big problem, I think, for Limerick going into this final, they, you know, they trust our system. But we've seen it with Tony Kelly floating. We've seen it with Cotton Mannion floating. We've seen it yesterday with Thomas Manahan floating. They cough up an awful lot of scores and they don't tend to pick up floating players like, like Kilkenny would with the likes of Mikey Butler where they go mano mano on the player. Limerick tend to go zonal and they trust their system. And I think, you know, there's going to have to be an awful lot of thinking going into this final where they're going to have to be saying themselves, looking at Adrian Mullen, Going to be looking at TJ Reid, own Cody. You know they all love the love the float, and that's where they're going to pick up scores, and that's going to pick cause a huge headache for Canorick and Cody going into this final. I think that's a great point, John, because bear in mind in the first half alone yesterday, Galway got off twenty-seven shots, which is exactly the point that John is making. If you do that against Kilkenny, they're not going to be as wasteful as Galway were. I think Galway, Galway had twelve wides in that first half. I don't see Kilkenny being that wasteful if they get those chances. Yeah, 19 wides overall and three in the closing couple of minutes, actually, from when it was, I think, a draw game around 68 minutes, which Henry Shefflin will be pretty annoyed about, I'm sure. Michael, but from a Galway perspective, it did feel like kind of a, maybe not coming of age because a lot of these players have been around for a while, but certainly in the season's context, it was their best performance. And even a coming of age for Henry Shefflin, maybe as an intercounty manager, like the passion on the sidelines, he was getting into it with Paul Canerk. He was he was just a presence. It was kind of Cody-esque, you know, almost. I know he probably wouldn't want to be compared to him after recent uh, skirmishes, but, you know, it was, it was an important day for, for the Galway team, even though they came out in the wrong side of the result. Definitely, yeah. Probably, you know, they limped out that Leinster final. It was just a really disappointing performance. Um, most people would have pointed to Cork's inefficiency for the reason why Galway got through the quarterfinal, but that was just a really, that was a really kind of inspiring display. Uh, and it, it's never good to finish a season without silverware. Everyone wants to finish with silverware, but definitely 
you'd say there's a decent bit of optimism around Galway after that performance yesterday. Uh, Jack Grealish has a full inter-county season under his belt, settled in a cornerback. Same with Darren Morrissey. Uh, Tom Monaghan was brilliant uh, yesterday. He was brilliant in a handful of games, maybe quiet in others. Joe Cooney's been brilliant this year as well. Uh, even Ronan Glennon coming in, Keenan Fahey. There are a lot of, you know, there are a lot of relatively new names that we weren't talking about before this year. And I think even from Shefflin's point of view of going up against Limerick, like they tried something with, with Cottle Mannion probably playing. He was nearly playing uh, as a cornerback at one stage in the first seven or eight minutes to try and cut out that ball to Galan down that right channel. Didn't really work. Made a quick switch after seven or eight minutes. Uh, he pushed up. He went kind of free. Helped Galway get back into the game. So like I think he would have learned a lot even about you know, ta- tactically operating at county level, how fluid you need to be, how quick you need to make decisions. Um, so, and like, it's been an absolutely turbulent year for Henry on and off the pitch. So um, I think, I think he'll be, I think he'll have learned an awful lot. He'll have learned so much about this squad. And while you never want to finish your season with a defeat, at least there's plenty of uh, confidence, you'd say, going into 2023. And I think I think what what he's really got to find over the course of the next next couple of months, you know, throughout the club club uh, calendar, he's got to build on his panel depth. He's got to find a couple more players because you you seen yesterday, you know, when he had the call on the bench, and you you know, in contrast to the Limerick bench, the Limerick bench effectively got Limerick over the line. You look at Kilkenny, the players that they were they were springing off the bench, and you know, I think that's where where these teams are at now. If you want to go on to the next level, you want to get the All Ireland finals. You know, you gotta have a you gotta have a strong panel depth. And I think that's where Galway came up short yesterday. They just didn't have enough players to spring off the bench. He had to start Jason Flynn yesterday, put Joseph Coney back. And you know, when he was looking to you know, to his to his to his subs bench then, he just didn't have enough yesterday to, to get him over the line. Yeah, and he actually spoke about it after the game, saying he wants to see the standard of club early and Galway kind of raised across the board because he said when he watched games earlier in the year, he wasn't overly impressed with, with, with the overall standard. Vincent, one of the kind of storyline that came out yesterday was Cork. Kieran Kingston won't be going forward. He won't be putting his name forward for another term. You know, considering that they only lost to Galway by a point and missed a, you know, a handful of chances themselves, they probably watched yesterday, even though Limerick have been a bogey team for them of recent uh, times with a bit of regret, you know, it's a huge appointment for Cork. You know, we've talked this recently. John was maybe saying Liam Sheedy is an outside manager could go in and shake things up, but there is a lot of internal candidates as well who would be keen for the job, like Ben O'Connor and guys like that have been bandied about. Like, what do you think they should do in terms of the direction they should go in? I don't need to go outside the county. I think Cork are a bit like Tip, a bit like Kilkenny. They won't go outside the county. I think Pat Ryan, if Pat is up for it, is probably the candidate. Um, but... I was I was half surprised when we got the news in Croke Park yesterday. Um, Kieran Kingston had obviously been offered another year by the county board. I think most people thought he he would take it, particularly with the frustration of their performance against Galway, where they they threatened to overrun Galway at times in that game in Turles and just missed chance after chance. And Anna Murphy made some great saves, and I you could tell the frustration in in Kieran that that that. Day after the, the game down in the dressing room tunnel, he just knew they'd left it behind them. And I think the problem for Cork in recent years is that they take one step forward and they take two steps back. And going into last year's All-Ireland final, you know, there was such optimism that this was a new team and there was such pace and typical kind of brilliant stick work in, in that Cork team. And they were just devoured. 
And then they got to the league final this year and you're thinking now they've got a bit, bit of momentum, they've recovered from that. And then Waterford devoured them. So I, I think Kieran has probably felt he's taken them as far as he could go. Um, he's had two stints at it. Um, and it's, it's, there's still so much talent there. But do you know what? There is something fundamental missing. And I think Kieran has just decided whatever that fundamental thing is, he hasn't been able to put it into that dressing room. Yeah, Michael, do you think there's an All-Ireland in this Cork team or is it a, you know, a massive rebuild for someone who comes in? Oh, I don't, I'm not sure. I, I, I've kind of went all in on Cork a couple of times. I think Vinny did in 2019 as well. And it, it, you kind of just lose a bit of faith with them then. And it's just, I, I'm still a bit of a doubt in Thomas with Cork. There's lots of talent there. Um, but as Vinny said there, I do think there's something fundamentally missing. Um, tr- just throwing in a few like, really worrying performances at different times. The All-Ireland final last year, the na- naivety of that and even the naivety of, of some of what they, what they did against Limerick earlier on this year. Um, I... No, I probably I yeah, I put my head in the block and say I probably don't think there is because I think Patrick Horgan will be stepping aside relatively soon. Seamus Harrity will be also Conor Lahan's probably of a similar age as well. Um so I I think there's a fair bit of a kind of a, a change needed there. I do agree with Vinny, I don't think they'll go outside. I think they potentially could go outside for a coach though. Um, because uh, it's not a, like even when Keane O'Neill went down as coach with, with Kerry that was seen as a, a big deal and he was only co- because he was an outside coach coming in because he'd never done it before they won All-Ireland obviously with, with that tactic but I think there's a potential for an outside coach to come in I do think someone needs to shake it up a bit and I do think they need a character like Ben O'Connor involved who will pull absolutely no punches whatsoever uh, and tell them exactly what he thinks they need to do to get over the line um, but I'm probably a bit surprised as well. I probably thought Kieran would stay on because I know the players uh, wanted him to stay on, and I think the county board did too. But there, sometimes you're involved, involved in management there, and you feel like a squad is just you're not getting that extra bit out of them that you think you can. It's a frustrating thing, and I'd say John has probably been there as well with teams he's been involved in. When you feel like your print is not necessarily being reflected on match day, it can be frustrating. But uh, Definitely lots of potential there with Cork. Definitely lots of potential, but um, they've just they've left behind a couple of big results in the last couple of years. I think they'll win an All-Ireland in the next three years, and I think the timing of this manager, I think you're going to have an awful lot of candidates putting their hand up. They know the potential. They know the calibre of players that are coming through. And I think probably three, you're probably looking at Pat Ryan. I think Ben O'Connor, and I think maybe a package of Ben O'Connor, maybe Liam Sheedy, and I think the other two, maybe two boys last night, uh, maybe Don Logue, Dave Fitzgerald. And I think, uh, you know, something along those lines. But I definitely think that there's an awful lot of potential there. I think Cork will win an order in the next three years. And I think there'll be a lot of fellas who put their hand up for this job because I think the timing is right. They'll see an opportunity there that there, there, there could be there could be an order in one in, in, in that period of time. There'll be a lot of big personalities in one dressing room with Davy Fitz, Don Log, Liam Sheedy, uh, half the RT paddle in there. Okay, guys, we might finish up with all Ireland final predictions. And I know it's two weeks out, so a lot of, you know, uncertainty around team selection and who might play in the end. But at this kind of moment in time after the semi final weekend, which way are you leaning? Oh, look, I've been with Limerick all year and the way they've dug it out against Clare and yesterday against Galway, I'm not going to step away from them now. I think Cody's achievement in getting Kilkenny back is extraordinary. 
But there is a little bit of pressure on Cody because the last two All-Ireland finals they've got to in 16 and 19, they were beaten out the gate. That cannot be allowed to happen again. Because you know what? The noise that John alluded to at the start of the programme, and to those of us outside Kilkenny, it has, it has sounded ridiculous noise. But that noise, if they take a bad beating from Limerick, will just, it'll crank up again. There's no question about that. I think, I think it's going to be an epic game. I, I think Kilkenny you know, will feel they can really get under Limerick's skin, particularly given what they've seen in the, in the recent, in recent weeks from the champions. But for me, no, there's, there's so much firepower in that Limerick team. And I think Kylie has that team exactly where he wants them for the next two weeks. You know, four or five underperformers yesterday and they still got out the gap. I think it's perfect for John Kylie, and I think Limerick will do the three in a row. Michael? Uh, I thought Limerick would win this year's All-Ireland. Hanging on was the words I, I used. And the, the championship has kind of played out that way. Their winning margins are down drastically on the last couple of years. But I think they'll win the All-Ireland hanging on as well, probably by about three or four. Uh, they haven't been lighting it up this year, uh, maybe as much as recent years. But yeah, I, th- I think they'll still get the job done. And I hope it's, uh, I hope if it's anything like that, like that 2019 semi-final, we're in for a big three. Two votes for Limerick, but John, are you going to give us one for Kilkenny potentially? Oh, well, look, I've been up and down with me predictions. It's been just a, such a funny uh, championship, but uh, oh, God, this is going to be it's going to be so hard, hard, hard to call. I think the matchups are going to be fascinating. I think the big, big player that, that Kilkenny have gotten back into the fold, Connor Brown. Uh, really, really like, like, like the look of Connor Brown the, the last couple of games. And, you know, his matchup with Will O'Donnell, King Kenny, on Darrow Donovan. Um, and look, some of the matchups, Paddy Deegan and Garrod Hegarty, you know, will Garrod Hegarty and Tom Morrissey be as bad again? I don't see Keane Lynch starting this final, and I think that's going to be a big, big cross for Kilkenny. I even looked at him in the warm-up yesterday, LT Watson's, you know, really right at it. I know yesterday he offloaded a pass. I could see him probably coming in for 10, 15 minutes. Will Walter Welsh start? I think he will. Uh, but yeah, look, Will, there's one short thing. Limerick are going to have to perform to, to do the three in a row. Uh, I think I don't. I think Kilkenny are going to turn up this final. I think they're going to give it everything. I don't see it see him being being hammered, being dead out the gate like the, the previous two finals. But yeah, I just think you know this Limerick team. They're they're a thing thing of beauty. I think uh, the the manner in which they won yesterday, I think they'll stand him going into this final, and I just possibly see him getting over the line by by, by two or three points. But yeah, they're going to have to bring it. And I, because I do, I, I see Co, a, a Cody Kilkenny team turn up in the final. Um, and look, who knows? Maybe someone like Richie Richie Hogan could get sprung in the final. He could, could be a match winner. Got sent off in the last final. You know, stranger things can happen in finals. You know, the unknown can happen. We've seen seen players step up that you won't expect to step up in the final. And I think that could play out again in, in two weeks' time. But look, we've a meltwater in final to look forward to. It's all on the line. I think we've the two best teams. Um, and it's going to capture the whole nation. You know, Limerick going for three in a row, Cody going for $12, and uh, TJ Reid, possibly one of the greatest players of all time. He's going to go all out in this final to get his brother up the steps. Let's not forget that Richie Reid is, is the captain, and he's going to give it everything to get his brother up them steps. But yeah, I just think, I think Limerick, three in a row, possibly by two or three points. Just when you say it there, John, imagine the redemption for Richie Hogan, you know, if he were the one to come on and tip the scales, like he was, 
you know, public enemy number one after the 2019 final. Yeah, just it's there's so many, uh, there's so many different stories uh, ready to play out. It's gonna be fascinating. Yeah, tell it to be an absolutely cracking final. But for now, Vincent, John, Michael, thanks so much for joining me. That's all we have time for on the Throwing Podcast today. But later in the week, Philly McMahon will be back with another podcast to discuss all the latest football talking points. In the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye. This is an Irish independent podcast.